All right, Practice Indie Fam Jam. We have Hannah Bowman today on the podcast. And uh, first of all, if you're watching this on YouTube, you need to peep her shirt because you will instantly know she is a queen. Um, she's got a Stranger Things uh, t-shirt on and I instantly had like tears in my eyes. Um, Hannah is one of our students. She and I, oh, I had the privilege of her company this summer in our um, yoga summer school. She's just a rad bitch, y'all, and uh, she's a chemist, and so this week we're talking about prana, which is life force, and um, I'm going to pause there, and then I'll go back and define that, because I want, Hannah, for you to share all the splendor that you are, and, you know, your many titles and all the things. Yeah, um, so as Shannon said, I'm, I'm Hannah. I grew up in Indianapolis, um, went to Cathedral High School ended up at Purdue for a chem major. I actually thought I was gonna be a veterinarian and that didn't really work out. And chemistry was gonna be the means to that end. And I, I realized pretty early on in college that, that that could just be the means. It didn't have to be like a, a, you know, part of something else. Like it, I could just be a chemist and that that like seemed to be my calling. Um, and so then that took me to get my PhD at the University of Wisconsin. Uh, in Madison, and that's also where I found yoga. I had hurt my knee and needed a way to rehab and um, found a great yoga community up there. And then uh, I moved back to Indiana in 2016, uh, worked at Eli Lilly and Company for a little while, and now I'm down in Bloomington uh, working for Catalan Pharma Solutions, um, where we make life-saving medicines of all different kinds for all different people. Um, we've got a couple of COVID projects but yeah, uh, I guess just disclaimer, what I say here is me, not, not my employer. <laughs> so I don't get in trouble later. <laughs> um, but yeah, as Shannon said, uh, yeah, uh, I, I have degrees in chemistry, but like my focus is on biochemistry. So the chemistry of life, the chemistry of how, how things work in human bodies. And that's why I'm in the pharmaceutical industry to help bodies, you know, through chemistry, because I think that's just so cool. God, I already have like a little misty tear in my eye. <laughs> that is so cool. That's so cool. I didn't ask you this in our prep questions, but I'm curious, um, what is like, what is a typical day in the life of a chemist? Like, do you go in and like pour things and things or <laughs> what is that? So my current job is actually in manufacturing. So I don't do typical chemist things. I don't wear a lab coat. I don't work in a lab. I mean, many chemists do that. Don't get me wrong. Um, but what I do on a day-to-day -day basis is I'm, um, working with our clients to bring in new processes, uh, for making the medicine, figuring out how that's going to run on our equipment. And then once it's running, making sure nothing bad happens so that the medicine is safe. So cool. You're so cool. <laughs> I showed oh. Hannah before, but I had a I had a t-shirt in high school. Um, I love chemistry and took many years of chemistry. I, you wouldn't know it because I'll just blow things up. But um, I had a t-shirt with a periodic table and the radioactive elements glowed in the dark, which was so 90s. And also it was fucking chic. I also didn't tell you this, but I had a scarf with a periodic table on it. So, I mean, I was like really Seriously. I want one. <laughs> I, I wrote it down in my notes to get us both t-shirts while matching. Okay. Yeah. For the longest time, I had a periodic table shower curtain. Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> it got moldy and nasty, so I had to throw it away. <laughs> I'm sure I can find on like I think the t-shirt I got it from like Cafe Press or you know yeah. some tiny t-shirt down, but I'm gonna search for us. So um, why I invited you today is to talk about prana, and I'm gonna read my little blurb here. Prana is what animates us or causes our body to come alive. Um, one of the quotes I have shared with my teachers as we teach on this this week is to bring about positive transformations in body and mind. We must understand the energy through which they work. This course is called prana in Sanskrit, meaning primary energy, sometimes translated as breath or vital force, though it is actually something more. So um, the, the moment that I really understood prana, so when you go to a yoga class, you typically hear prana as either your breath practice, so prana, yama, um, breath restraint, or often teachers will kind of talk about it as the spirit and the thing that flows in and out of us. And, you know, as a practitioner for years, I've, un I've understood that concept, but I don't think I fully saw it in force until I'd seen a dead body. Um, and two things I can think of are like seeing my grandfather when he passed or being in a cadaver lab. There's just something missing in that mound of flesh that doesn't animate it anymore, that doesn't give it life. And there's like clearly, uh, I mean, I know there are reactions happening actually even in a dead body, but there's, there's something missing from the animation. And that's when I was like, oh, that's prana. Like, you're either a dead body or a living body based off of the reactions you have with prana or the catalyst that it serves as. So within that context, kind of, will you share what is chemistry and, you know, when, and from your definition and understanding of chemistry, maybe how you see prana fitting into that? Yeah. So, I mean, at, at the heart and soul of it, chemistry is the science of like, what makes up everything in the universe and then how those building blocks go together right so you have your atoms and there's like this classic chemistry nerd joke it's like don't trust an atom they make up everything right like fake news <laughs> <laughs> right but it's true you uh, <laughs> got me yeah. right like so we, we have all these different types of atoms right like the, the periodic table and then you can put them all together in all these different ways and then they're constantly rearranging you know breaking and making bonds and so chemistry is that study like how does that work what are the rules um and then once you understand the rules you can start to break the rules right and say like okay how can i force things to happen that maybe don't happen naturally um, if I give it different conditions and so that's the really fascinating part of, of, of chemistry to me is is not just you know why but then like how can I manipulate it later um, and so like I said before I'm a biochemist and so like we take it one step further and not just say okay the atoms but you know there are these huge molecules right these collections of atoms and they're going to interact with each other and they interact and they and, and it's like it keeps building layers and layers and layers and now you have a human being yeah. you know or 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 a cat or a dog or you know or whatever but like there's millions of chemical reactions that are happening every second of every day inside of your body making it do all the amazing things that human bodies can do so um but yeah, that sort of underlying thing 
for all chemical reactions is energy, right? And so in a scientific sense, you know, we think about is you got to put energy in and you're going to get energy out. You can't destroy energy. You can't make energy. It just, it is, it just transforms states. So it, I, mean, I think about it kind of like money. I mean, technically, yes, we can make more money, but we know we shouldn't just like print more dollar bills, right? Because that will blow up the economy, right? So it's kind of like a fixed thing. And I have a certain amount of money. I can hand that money over to somebody else. They're going to hand it over to somebody else and somebody else, right? And sometimes you got to spend money to make money, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you can have a transaction and, and put something in and get n no money out, but maybe you get something else out, right? You're going to get pleasure because you experience this thing, right? Like you went on vacation or, you know, you got to go to a yoga class. Um, so you're not getting any money in return but you did something useful and so we call that work right so work is using energy to do something useful um, so although you can't destroy the energy not all energy ends up doing work if that makes sense and so then that's where you can get into sustainable energy and like efficiency of all kinds of things because what we're trying to do is is make sure more energy is going in, into doing useful work and not going into things that we can't do anything with. And when you say, you know, because pranayama, going yeah. back to that, is breath restraint. And so even when something isn't put to work, energy can't be destroyed. So it's being stored, right? It's right. And is either in that stored state useful for something else or potentially used later on is that correct yep. yep that's absolutely correct yeah so the ancients one uh that adam joke just took me like a whole three minutes to get over it i was <laughs> still laughing <laughs> two um the ancients in terms of indian ancients and yoga had a word for adam it was anu i believe anu um and someone can fact check me but you know they understood that the 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 universe was made up of these particles and pieces that were beyond our sight. And um, so I, I think it's always fascinating that, you know, these are ancient truths and then it, it often it comes about language and like how you frame it with language. Right. Because, you know, I also hear the word prana talked about as God. Um, when I hear you say like energy that resonates a little bit more with me, like you know, I'm still on the fence about what I want to call the thing that's all around us. But energy to me is like, you can prove that, right? You can see yeah. that, touch it, and it can be auspicious. You know, it can still be, there's only so much we can know about that. Why do we have energy? Where does it come from? So I think there's something that I like about that it's like tangible, but also intangible. Um, and we had talked a little bit about this idea of alchemy, which I think has become um are you a Shit's Creek fan I've heard of the show but I've not actually watched it <laughs> I binge watched like 12 episodes last night so it's a little I'm, I'm deep in it but he opens uh, David opens his apothecary and I think apothecary has become like a very in vogue word again uh -huh. and so has alchemy and I hear and use it myself as a teacher often as like the um a word to imply a reaction or a catalyst or involving a catalyst maybe. So can you speak to um, what is alchemy versus chemistry and sort of what you shared about like the accident versus like actually knowing the results? Yeah, sure. So alchemy is, is the precursor to chemistry, right? So like 
back in the day, like medieval times, you know, there were people that were trying to figure out, you know, how the world worked, but we had no idea what we were doing. And we didn't have, you know, the technology to be able to see things like atoms or, or to even like know that they existed. So, you know, they were just playing around really, you know, what happens if I mix thing A with thing B, like what happens? And, you know, they started developing, you know, rules based on the patterns that they were seeing. And they were ultimately trying to do things like change metal into gold, like, you know, how cool would it be if it's like, oh, I, I dug all this iron out of the ground and now I'm going to make it into gold and I'm going to be rich, right? Like that was, you know, some of the aspirations of the ancient alchemists. Um, and, you know, they got really weird about it sometimes and would like write in code so that people wouldn't be able to steal their ideas and like, you know, scoop them on, on their discoveries. But you know, what happened was, like I said, they made a lot of observations. They were practicing science, even though they didn't know they were doing it. And they were writing things down. So then as time went on, we could go back to those writings and realize, oh, every time we mix A with B, we get C. And as technology progressed, and we were able to dig deeper and smaller into the universe, we got, oh, that's why A plus B gives C. And that's now like, you know, chemistry as we know it. So alchemy is kind of like chemistry plus mysticism because there's this idea of like, I don't really know why it's working. I just know that it's working. And chemistry now, like we've pulled back some layers of the veil. There's still, for every like one thing we know, there's still like 10 things we don't know, like how it works, but we know a lot, lot more. So. I feel like yoga is a, yoga, I mean, all, all things related to science have this same process, right? We continually yeah. pull back the layer of the onion to reveal, oh shit, there's like 12 more layers. But yeah. um, at, during the medieval period, the Hatha Yoga Pradipika is a book that um, a lot of modern yogis will cite or use. And there's just like, there's a portion of that where you're um, pulling mercury through a straw into your urethra. It's like things like that that I'm like, as a yoga teacher now, I know probably not a thing I'm going to recommend. No, please don't. Please, like for everybody at home, do not do that. Not do that. That's like <laughs> drinking bleach. Do not do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's like the same thing that like, you know, they were on to some things, right? But the yeah. other things, it's like, oh, hold the phone. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. um, and we know now that breath, you know, one of the things that's talked about a lot in ancient yoga literature is the breath and the mysticism of the breath. Well, we know that, that the breath has a direct effect on our nervous system. We know that the breath, the prana serves as a catalyst if we need to like get up and go. If the bear is coming, you need to get a different breath pattern than you're trying to rest and digest. So you know, similarly, we know what these things are now, and yet we still don't know, like, how does that, um, the breath that I, my favorite breath technique is sahaja or spontaneous breath, because how does that happen? You know, like we're just vacuums and like we create space and this stuff comes in and we automatically press it back out and it goes back and forth. So it's so fascinating. So what, um, what are, what are some of the most extraordinary chemical reactions that you know of? 
So um, before I answer that, I'm going to just chime in because you keep using the word catalyst, which is fantastic because I told you to say that. <laughs> but I think we should define what that means for, for everybody listening at home um, because it, then it actually has to do with, with the extraordinary chemical reaction. So right, a catalyst is a aspect of a chemical reaction that makes that chemical reaction easier to happen. So all chemical reactions, like I said before, require energy and some reactions have a very high energy barrier that we have to overcome before the reaction will happen or maybe it'll just happen really slowly like i mean over many many lifetimes like we're not going to wait for it to happen we want it to happen now and so we can add a catalyst to that reaction and it will lower that energy barrier and facilitate that reaction happening much quicker or without as much you know input and then we can get through that faster or easier. Um, and so some of the coolest reactions are catalytic reactions. Um, and many of them actually happen inside the human body. So the body is full of, of specialized proteins called enzymes and enzymes are nature's catalysts. Mm -hmm. And they're like the most fascinating things in the whole world because somehow nature figured out, well, if I put things just in this right shape, it will make that reaction like happen exactly the way I want every time super fast. Hmm. And like, we're just now starting to learn like how and why all of that happens and, and trying to, you know, design our own enzymes. So like uh, Francis Arnold is a really famous biochemist in that field. She won the Nobel prize, not this year, but last year or two years ago for work women just won the Nobel mm -hmm. Peace Prize in chemistry this year, right? Yes. Yeah. And their, their discovery was groundbreaking. I mean, like CRISPR is huge. I mean, and I'm not going to get into like all the nitty gritty, but yeah. Um, I, and that was going to be actually DNA in general is like another one of my favorite, like mind boggling chemical reactions because it's, it was, and again, all these things are actually a series of reactions. It's not a singular reaction. It's like, reaction after reaction after reaction all together and it's like yeah dna that it, it can copy itself over and over and over again and like transmit all of this information i mean it's like wikipedia in your body and then it makes a copy of itself every time you make a new cell every time like you know you make a new human being right like you share that not like i don't know <laughs> it's it's <laughs> like it's actually kind of like when the more you talk about it you're like wow how did nature figure that all out? Like, and to your point, it's it is so um, it's it's so specific. Like, if yeah. one if one thing were to go differently, the whole reaction is yeah. drastically changed. And I think that is the fact that you and I are sitting here having this conversation is the result of a series of perfectly timed chemical reactions again yeah. and again and again. Like that you know, that blows my mind. Yeah. Um, what, um, sorry, I cut you off, but yeah, that is, okay. that is extraordinary. Are there, um, well, side note, you were talking about, uh, making iron into gold. Have you listened to the podcast S town? No, I've not. I love to go do that. <laughs> it so, sounds like. <laughs> so town is, um, it's about a rural Southern town. My dad actually used to help, uh, 
the main guy in it used to go to my dad's hospital. Okay. And um, he is, I can't remember the, the title, but he is a watch, a clockmaker. Okay. So in the practice of, there's like a flashing that occurs. It's super dangerous that you do with gold. Um, you will know what it is. And it's like, it involves mercury. It involves gold. It's like very dangerous. It, no one does it anymore because it's so dangerous. It's like Mad Hatter stuff. Um, but it has everything to do with the mystery of the story. Anyway, it's really, really good. So, um, we've talked about, can you destroy energy? Are there, I don't know, are there any other maybe fundamental rules of chemical reactions or chemistry, um, that can be applied to life or things that you have learned as a chemist that have like enriched your understanding of being alive? Oh, um, well, I was going to say the, the next, like, so the energy can't be created or destroyed. That's the first law of thermodynamics. The second law of thermodynamics, and this is going to be a very gross oversimplification, but basically the whole world universe tends to chaos. Mm -hmm. It's this idea called entropy and it's way more nuanced than that. But, uh, that actually like was very um important i guess in my early like kind of working out my life philosophy if that makes sense and and trying to grapple with that idea on a macroscopic scale and and that's the the problem is is the actual chemistry of it is, is only applies in the microscopic but i was trying to apply it like on this microscopic or macroscopic um way and 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 thinking about okay you know, it's not all going to end up perfect. Like it's, you know, every time you, you, you do something over here, it's going to unravel something over there. And, and this idea that like everything is connected and yeah, I feel like I'm not really articulating this well, but like this could be a whole nother podcast. Like we could just talk about entropy and yogic principles. Like, no, that, that actually was, I needed to hear that because I, one, that is a big part of the basis of yoga. They're, they're also oversimplification. They're basically yeah. two schools of thought that either say that we started as divine and have devoluted into chaos and others are of the school of thought that like we are a divine expression and we are bringing, we are bringing us out of chaos into wholeness. And I mean, depending on how you look at that and how you look at the world is going to change how you approach it. But I'm, I was, um, you know, pandemic truth. I was struggling yesterday with just like, oh, everything feels so off and I just can't get a stride. And it's like, this isn't new, you know, like everything does go to chaos. It's just more apparent right now. Yeah. And the more that I let go of trying it to be perfect or to feel a certain way or look a certain way, the less painful that will be. Mm -hmm. So thank you, I needed to hear that. You're welcome, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, are there, um, that, that is such a good one. I had a question about, I think I heard, I don't know the rules of thermodynamics. So I, I have, a, whenever I take my kids to science museums, which we do quite a bit, there's one exhibit down and um, when we visit my parents at the McWayne Center, where they show the law of entropy and the more variables you add 
the more entropic it becomes. Then I heard the other day that the, and correct me if I'm wrong, that there's another rule that it's like the more absent of variables, the more chaotic it becomes, like the more you take away. Is that true, false? That's, I've just never really heard it described that way. So I'm trying to like wrap my head around that, like in terms of the number of variables. Because um, what happens when, a, when an element, if we're talking about the elements, what happens if an ele element is left completely alone? Yeah, so I mean, that, it's, yeah, you can't, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's like darn near impossible to isolate like single, atoms like they they all want to bond like it's they're all going to interact somehow I mean that, that's just their their nature is to do something with an, a nearby atom so I mean it would just be incredibly like hard to say okay there is literally nothing surrounding this atom right because like everything is made of atoms so it's like how do you separate you know, like Adam A from, I mean, you would literally have to have void, nothingness, but mm -hmm. right, it's going to be air. Well, what is air? It's two oxygen atoms, right? Like, so it's going to try to do something with those oxygens potentially, right? Um, so, but I mean, there is a third law of thermodynamics that talks about um, absolute zero. And that's a state that we've not actually been able to achieve. We can get really, really close. And at absolute zero, at least motion stops. And so you can get everything to stand still, but you can't separate the atoms. They're, they're still gonna be there together. <laughs> hmm. Isn't that, I, I think maybe when I heard that, that was um, part of what the point was being made is that we are fundamentally always trying to interact. Like we are all, even though we know, um, even though we know that it will, in the end, end up more chaotic yeah. than orderly, we are by design as biological beings just trying to interact with one another. Yeah. Which I think is a really beautiful and sad and um, interesting thing that, especially right now in the pandemic, this... Uh, this feeling of disconnect, I think is why it's so, I think that's probably why it's so hard is because we're not wired for anything other than trying to connect. Yeah. Well, Hannah, you were like one of the coolest people I've ever met. <laughs> oh, thank you. I would say the same about you. Like, I don't know. I have a periodic table t-shirt. I know, thank you. <laughs> no, but I, I, I truly admire people who who like fully follow their passions and and just like give it everything so the fact that you know you opened a yoga studio and you do all the things that you do for the you know practice in the community is fantastic and yeah well thank you and thank you for you know sometimes I um I love yoga and I think there is a lot of science to it but sometimes it can feel a little illegitimate in terms of like how many studies have actually been done and there have been studies done, but not as many as I, I would love to see. Yeah. So it feels very validating that these core principles of a practice that I hold so dearly are really core principles of the universe and that 
that ancient wisdom carries through. And while maybe some of it, like pulling mercury through our ureter, um, might not hold true anymore, <laughs> the, the building blocks of prana, of our life force, are really quite scientific and mystic. And they, you know, they can hold both spaces. So I just thank you so much for being a practitioner, for being on the podcast, for being a, a, a lady chemist. Yeah. And uh, and repping a Hawkins T-shirt and um, any any final chemistry words of wisdom for us? No, other than if you're like cringing at the thought of chemistry, say give it a try. It's not as bad as some people make it sound. I mean, I get it. It's hard. It, it you have to wrap your brain in a way that you're not used to, but it's it's not all that bad. And so if you've got little ones. Try to encourage them to work through it, develop some grit, and it'll serve them really well later. And they don't have to become full chemists, but just, you know, it's useful. They're like, well, why do I need to know this? Trust me, it'll become useful later. I'd go on Amazon and buy periodic table t-shirts for everyone I know right now. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Hannah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for